Hey, Bobheads, Allison here. I want to provide a content warning that this episode discusses perinatal loss and bereavement. So if you don't want to listen to that, skip the second half of this episode. Thank you. Clinical. 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 Population. Population. Clinical. Population. Population. Clinical. Population. Hi, everybody. My name's Gabby. And I'm Allison. And welcome to Clinical Populations. Introducing music therapists to new bops and new bops to music therapy. And today we have an awesome guest. We have Amy DeJesus with us today. Yay! Yay, everybody! Amy, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day here in Nashville where I live. And yeah, um, spring is finally here. Right? Oh my gosh, it was so nice today. Yeah, you two Nashvilleians. I know. It's going to be nice to have a fellow Nashvillean. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I will say I will be near Nashville soon. I'm moving oh, back to no. Atlanta. Yay, so. southeastern region. Yeah. <laughs> no offense, Southwestern. I loved you. <laughs> uh, awesome. <laughs> um, Amy, can you introduce yourself? Uh, and tell our listeners a little bit about your music music and music therapy background. Yeah, sure. So I am a native Nashvillian, um, and I come from a pretty musical family. My family is Filipino, and I think... What, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think inherent in that, there's a lot of music in our culture. So I think that informs a lot of my music skill and talent. Um, and then my family was musical. My mom's side of the family loves to sing. My grandma, my mom, my aunts, my uncle, they're all really great singers who love to harmonize. So that's just kind of the environment that I grew up in. Um, As a kid, I played piano, violin, I sang in choirs, and I eventually went on to major in piano performance in college. Mm -hmm. And it was also during that time that I picked up a guitar, some guys down the hall, you know how it is in college, all guys (laughs) play guitar. (laughs) And eventually I picked up, you know, some basic chords and started songwriting. So that's kind of my music background. Um, As far as music therapy, it's kind of been a long journey getting to this point. Academically, I'd always been really strong in science and math, but my heart was always in the arts and social justice. So Mm. after college, I had actually thought about pursuing music therapy at that point. But, um, at that time, my state school was closing, so mm-hmm. that wasn't an option. And uh, the field was still a little bit kind of obscure-ish, so I wasn't sure what job <laughs> prospects were going to look like. And I eventually just decided to pursue a master's in social work at that point. Oh, wow. Um, but when I was done <laughs> and finally working as a social worker, I found myself trying to incorporate music into every little intervention as much as I could. So uh. I was still like pulling from that music background, even though I was doing social work. Um, so music therapy was always still in the back of my mind, but by that time I was married, thinking about starting a family, um, distance learning programs weren't really out there yet. And I couldn't really move anywhere to pursue an equivalency program. So I don't know. I just wasn't sure I wanted to 
try to uproot my husband and me and invest the time and money. So it just kind of like stayed in the back of my mind. Maybe it was going to be a dream in the future if the stars ever aligned. But um, I eventually just, you know, kept plugging along with my social work career and eventually landed at a community mental health nonprofit in Chicago. And I was an assertive community treatment specialist. Um, our team of members, that's what we called our clients, they had a variety of diagnoses, the majority of them having bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, schizophrenia. And um, it was really just very randomly how I started doing music with them. Um, we had a music volunteer come in for a holiday party, and I just saw our members literally light up, you know, people who could not, for whatever reason, um, you know, participate in home visits, very flat affect. They were like singing their hearts out. And I was like, what is going on here? (laughs) And so one of the members actually, she reached out to me and she's like, who's this volunteer? Can he come to my visits? And I was like, we can't really do that, but I play guitar. I could happily bring it along to your home visits and we could just kind of play around with it and see how it goes. And eventually kind of word of mouth got out and other members started asking for music and it was just amazing to see the transformation happen in those particular members. Um, and so that, I think just seeing their transformations and how music was offering something to them that traditional mental health treatment was not able to offer, it really solidified for me, I got to do music therapy. This is working. I don't know why. I need to find out why and learn what's evidence-based so I can you know, be the best therapist or social worker for my clients and eventually music therapist. So um, I remember Mm -hmm. one day from work, I got home and just kind of Googled to see if there was anything distance learning wise that had popped up in St. Mary of the Woods. Sure enough, they had started their MTED program. And that's really the only way I could have done this. So I, you know, sent in my application, got accepted and the rest is history. So, um, so yeah, so that's where I am right now. I'm just about to start my internship. But coronavirus uh, (laughs) has a different plan for me right now. So I'm just waiting to get cleared to start my internship. But that's my last step. And then then I'll be able to sit for the board exam, which is super exciting. Um, I will say every practicum placement I've had up to this point has really validated to me that this is my calling. It's my forever career. It combines all my skills and interests. And I'm just really excited and honored to be on this path because it's truly amazing. As I'm sure you guys have experienced as well. Yes. Wow. That is so cool to hear. Like, because a lot of the times we're hearing of music therapists that then also go and get um, further education to do, you know, LPC or or social work. So it's neat to hear how you started and like really saw the power of, of music and and that brought you here. So we're happy to have you and congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm curious. So as far as songwriting goes, um, have you like gone out and performed or, um, you know, how, how have you used that as like self-care or outside of, um, you know, your, your clinical work and things like that? Yeah. So I first started songwriting in college. Um, I was a classical piano performance major. So obviously songwriting doesn't really fit into that curriculum, but, um, my advisor, I think just for fun, he offered this songwriting workshop for one of the semesters. And of course, all of us jumped in on it because it was so different from our usual classes or kind of studies that we were doing. And um, and it was just really, it, 
I don't know. I feel like growing up, I'd never thought of myself as a writer or a strong writer. There are definitely other friends and classmates who I would, you know, lump into that category. And I never felt like I fit in that category. But this class really showed me that, you know, we all have a voice and a story that's unique and that's worthy of, you know, just being out there. And so, um, so that's when I started writing. Um, and I think as, you know, with all new songwriters, the content is usually about you and what you're dealing with. And as I've gotten older, they have kind of morphed into telling other people's stories. Um, also, I think it's gifts to people. Um, I feel like that's a unique skill that I have. And um, as far as performing them, when I lived in Chicago, I used to do open mics with a friend and it just kind of organically snowballed into doing that regularly and then meeting another friend who also wrote and sang. And then we became this trio of women who sang our original songs and we would arrange them in three-part harmony. And then um, my husband, who was not my husband at the time, <laughs> he joined <laughs> us and played guitar. So we did perform our songs um, in the Chicago kind of open mic circuit. And I didn't really care too much for performing. I just kind of saw that as like, I don't know, I guess a necessary evil to get your music out there. But yep. um, for, me, <laughs> for me, music has definitely been more about exploring my life experiences and then sharing them with friends and participating in music making with friends because that's really valuable to me. Oh, that's beautiful. I I see like a lot of parallels between like my experience of um, songwriting, like early 20s and things, and then like exploring the whole performing an open mic and and using that really to um, process, you know, love and heartbreak and definitely the goodbyes. I noticed that a lot when I was uh, like preparing for graduation and, you know, leaving internship and moving away and, you know, all these things that it, um, I don't know, there's just something really powerful about being able to write that down and then set it to music and then just kind of let it go, you know, through through putting it on paper. So that's really cool. It's it's nice to hear there's some some similarities there. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, speaking of like performing in a different area, what have you noticed um, as far as like being in the Nashville area? Like, have you ever performed around here or has it been kind of difficult to do that? Um, I'm a new Nashvilleian and I'm starting to notice like it's very different from the Dallas music scene. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I will say growing up in Nashville has been a double-edged sword for me because I realized growing up, um, I just kind of assumed, you know, that every city was like Nashville and that you grew up with people of, with, you know, elementary school teachers that also dabbled in music and that, you know, you're surrounded by creative people all the time. <laughs> and so I realize now that Nashville was a very unique place to grow up because there are so many creative people. And even if, even if people are just kind of dabbling in it, most people who are just dabbling in it are also kind of an upper echelon of musical talent and skill. <laughs> and so I just, so growing up, like, I will say it, I kind of separated myself, sorry, I hit mm -hmm. my mic. Um, I kind of separated myself from that because I realized I was not that, but I did know that I had skill that was good. Um, but I think that's why I never really took myself seriously as a musician or as a songwriter or as a singer, because 
I was not Nashville standard. So, um, so like I said, while I appreciate what Nashville gave to me, because I think it really nurtured my talent and gave me things to aspire to, it also kind of limited me because I've created this barrier that I did not belong to that. Um, but when I moved away, I feel like Chicago, the scene there is very, they have a really great folk scene. And I went to the Old Town School of Folk Music. I took a few guitar classes there. I just kind of took a bunch of classes there. And um, it's so inclusive and it's so community oriented and it's so welcoming to beginners. And I think that's what gave me the courage to step forward and just feel like to just to do it, you know, to, to participate in music making because it's an activity that everybody can do and it doesn't matter if you're good or bad or just, you just do it. <laughs> and so I remember specifically, um, it was a few years ago, but we had some friends coming up from Nashville and we took them to this bar where my husband and I used to play open mics at. And there was a beginner's like fiddle class doing, I guess they were just playing there all together. I don't even know if it was something formal. And it sounded what you would think a beginning violin class would sound like. <laughs> and I remember my Nashville friends were like, what is this? <laughs> and I was like, this is beautiful. They're they're out in public. You know, they're, they're taking a chance. They don't care. Like, they're just participating in music because they love it and they're not putting a value on it or anything. So I think Chicago was really instrumental in giving me that courage to just participate in music regardless of what I thought about how good or bad it was. And so in moving back to Nashville and then actually, you know, in studying music therapy, because I've had to shift my thinking, that whole like Nashville standard mindset, you know, if I'm going to be telling my clients that you don't need to be a musician to participate, to participate in music therapy, you know, I have to believe that too. <laughs> and so it's, it's really been great to, break that barrier down because now um, I have played music in Nashville. I belong to an Andrew and Andrew's sisters tribute group. We're called the TriStar Sisters. And um, we we had one show before um, the whole pandemic. So I'm glad we had that experience. But it, it was great because um, I was singing with two other girls who I love to sing with and they become friends. And we had this great band behind us. And um to be on that stage, it was just really empowering for me to be playing in Nashville finally, because that's not something that I ever would have done maybe even two years ago. So, so yes, I am now playing in Nashville <laughs> and, um, and I have plans to, you know, to still perform when I can. And, um, yeah. And it, I will say, Allison, just jump in. If you want to participate in the music scene here, do it because, um, because it is in spite of, I think the skill and the talent you see here, it is a very welcoming community and people really rally and lift each other up. So mm. um, yeah, jump on in. Yay, good. Real quick, I want to just jump back to what you were saying about Chicago. I um, We had some technical difficulties. So when you said Chicago, I was like, oh, yay. But then no one heard me. So <laughs> it was so sad. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, the first half of my childhood was in Chicago. Um, and so while I don't live there now or haven't actually like lived lived there for a while, I visit often. And yeah, I love I love their music scene. It's so great. 
Yeah, it's so it's so inclusive. And I will say, um, as far as performing, because I know I told you guys, like, I didn't like performing. I don't like performing. But I did. Um, so I nannied in Chicago for a little bit when I was trying to, you know, decide what I was going to do. And um, through nannying, I met Little Miss Anne, who is a children's music artist there. She's also Filipino. <laughs> and, um, nice. We, and that's like kind of how we just started talking. Um the little girl I used to nanny, she was in Little Miss Anne's music class. And I think one day after class, she reached out and was like, are you Filipino? And then we would always just talk about Filipino stuff after class, <laughs> and then, <laughs> as most Filipinos do. And then um, she, I think she just asked where I was from one day. And I was like, I'm from Nashville. And she, I think maybe people assume that you're musically inclined if you're from Nashville. And I was like, actually, I do play music. I I play piano and violin. And she's like, can you sing? And I was like, yeah, I can carry a tune. And she said, because my band member who plays all those instruments just left our band and I'm looking for a new person who plays that stuff. Would you want to maybe try out for the band? And I was like, I I would love to. I, you know, I know your songs from being in the class and um, I really like these children's songs of yours. They're they're amazing and they're inspiring and they're hip. And um, so anyway, <laughs> I ended up getting the spot and I will say my first Little Miss Anne show, it was a totally different experience from the performing experiences I had had in the past, which were mainly open mic nights and kind of like shows at coffee shops and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, it was amazing because her fans, they are fans. They Love wow. the music. They are dancing like crazy. They are doing all the movements. And as I was up on stage, it was the first time I really felt music performance as being a community experience that we as the band uh. were getting as much out of it from the audience that they were getting from us. So it was definitely this reciprocal relationship. I was looking at the kids. I almost like started crying because <laughs> I could tell mm. we were we were planting seeds and to be I guess just entrusted with that role of being an instrumental and formative influence for young children and families. It was just, I was hooked after that first show. I was like, I feel like I'm doing some good with music here. And I was so honored to be a part of that band. And then she asked me to do a, a children, a joint children's album with her. And we did that. And it just, it just really, everything that we put into that album, it like came back tenfold. So yeah, wow. so props to Chicago, the Chicago music scene, <laughs> Little Miss Anne, like it really, that all of that combined just gave me the confidence to stick with the music and pursue this path of figuring out how I could use, use music to help people. So it seems like you have a lot of different experiences yeah. with writing. Yeah, well, and I will say with the children's album, um, and she was like, you know, let's write some songs. And I was like, I have never written any kids' songs. Right. Like, I, I usually write like really mellow, sad songs. <laughs> and um, yeah. but I will say, I I remember it was right around Valentine's Day, and um, I was just thinking about like, what do I want to put out into the world with a children's song? And it was right around kind of you know, when our country really started to get divided and I wanted to put something out there that would be an expression of kind of loving one another and our connection mm -hmm. 
to each other as family and friends and the world. And so, um, so yeah, I just kind of thought of my nephews because they were, how old were they? They were like three, probably one, three and five at the time. And like what I wanted, the messages I would want to send to them. And so I remember like driving down Ashland on my way home and the chorus came to me. It was, it, the song's called L-O-V-E and it's just about, you know, loving, loving your family, your friends, the world and how we express that to each other. And, um, and then I wrote that first song and I was like, wow, I just wrote a kid's song. And then they just started <laughs> flowing. I, I'm not a prolific songwriter. I think my pace generally was maybe one to two songs every couple of years. And I wrote four songs in a month and I was like, I wow. think I found my genre. And, uh, <laughs> and so, so yeah, it, and that's something that I never would have gotten into had Little Miss Anne not reached out to me and mm. kind of seen, you know, saw in me something that I didn't even see. Right. Yeah. Um, man, we should have just featured when you're a Little Miss Anne song. <laughs> well, you're, you're just on a roll talking about it right now. We'll bring you back. Yeah, we'll bring you back to talk about, yeah, yeah. <laughs> about that song. Um, you were saying how I get the, the song that you wrote on Valentine's Day was for your nephews, yeah. right? So this song that we are about to show everyone um i me listening to it it sounds like it's you also like writing trying to talk to someone Mm -hmm. it's cool to see how your experience with writing with the little miss Anne band was able to inform and shape and help you grow in your songwriting skills to help you use it for yourself yeah um as a way to process and to share what you have to say. So this song in particular that we're about to listen to is called Sunshine, and we are going to share the story of it afterwards. So everyone, enjoy Sunshine. Hello, I don't even know your name. I waited for this day. Waited for so long This joy Joy I've never known And so I wait a few months more To hold you in my arms And I know that life's not always full of sunshine But in this winter's gray sky That is what you are And so I started writing you a note Of all the things we felt and spoke of When we found out you were coming Made plans Started changing things around Ain't got much but we would Make it work somehow And I know that life's not always full of sunshine But in this winter's gray sky That is what you are And I know that life's not always full of sunshine But in this winter's gray sky That is what you are 
is what you are And I know that last night I was full of sunshine But in this winter's gray sky I love you from afar So long I didn't even know your name I wait for the day Wait for so long. And that was Sunshine. Amy, can you share a little bit about your process and the story behind this song? Yeah. So, um, so this song is about a, a sad topic. It was inspired by my experience with miscarriage. Um, it was my first pregnancy, which we were so excited about. It had taken us a while to get pregnant. And when it happened, my husband and I were just devastated, obviously. So um, mm. at the time, we were living in Chicago. And I remember I wrote it pretty quickly the day after we came home from the hospital. Um, like I said earlier in the podcast, songwriting doesn't typically come easily to me. But every once in a while, a song sometimes just seems to drop out of the sky and then I catch it. And that's how this one was. <laughs> um, it just mm. like poured out of me. And I just, like I said, I just had to have my paper and pen ready and write it down. But um, so, but typically I would say my process when it's not like that, when it's not easy, um, songwriting seems to me to be like piecing a puzzle together. I often have my rhyming dictionary and thesaurus and I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what I want to say, and then how that's going to fit into the scansion of, you know, this many syllables and these notes. Um, so it, it definitely is a more kind of laborious, methodical process typically. But like I said, sometimes it just kind of magically happens. And that's where I really feel like a lot of, you know, songwriters will talk about just being a channel. And sometimes I do have that experience, which is really cool because it doesn't even feel like it came from you. It just kind of came from, I don't know, the universe somewhere. And you were chosen mm-hmm. to collect it for the world. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's how this one felt. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I just remember my husband had gone down for a nap and I was like, I think I want to write a song about this. And um, it's been, you know, six years or so. So I'm trying to recall exactly. But I remember that first line coming to me, the hello, I don't even know your name. Mm-hmm. And then I got my guitar and just started strumming chords i think my typical good keys are like c and d so i just happened to be playing in d at the time and then a chord progression came and then organically a melody came and the words just kind of flowed out so it like i said it just kind of wrote itself um and then what else um oh so yeah at the time this was winter and Chicago winters are notoriously Oh my gosh, horrendous. they're so, so bad. Oh my and gosh, they're so bad. This yeah. particular winter was a polar vortex winter, which is oh, even more terrible. <laughs> so we were oh. in the thick of one of those just bitterly cold, gray. Like I said, it was polar vortex. It was like I remember there were headlines um that was saying that were saying like like Chicago was warmer than Antarctica or something. You just something <laughs> crazy like that. And so, you know, in those in that, you know, month or so that I was pregnant, this baby was, you know, was a bright spot in all of this terrible 
winter doldrums. <laughs> and so, mm. and that's, and I think that's where the sunshine metaphor came from. It was because it really was like this hope in the middle of, because Chicago winters can be like full of despair and it's like, yeah. you just sort of trudging through it. And so it really was this, um, this ray of light and all of that winter. Um, so anyway, and, and I don't know that I connected that until, you know, after the song had been written, but, um, but yeah, I think that's why I chose that, uh, that word and that title for the song. Um, and then, gosh, uh, so you're asking about the process. I think that is all the process. <laughs> as far as the production. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like songs, there are times where songs just flow out of yeah, you. Sometimes yeah. there isn't really a process. It just, it just it's meant to goes. Be, yeah. yeah. And that's how this one yeah. was. Like I said, they're not always mm-hmm. like that for me, but this one was that way. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as the production, um, so these songs just kind of sat on my iPad for years and years and years. And then I think when you have a miscarriage or you have difficulties conceiving, you kind of get entry into this secret club of women who are dealing with the same thing. And you happen to meet other women who are going through similar things or like my, my yoga teacher, she really helped me through some of these things. And she had asked, you know, can I share this song? Cause I know quite a few other women who are going through the same thing and they might be comforted by hearing what you experienced and, you know, kind of in song form. Um, so a few years after the miscarriage, my husband and I were like, this is just a waste of songs sitting on our iPad. <laughs> we each did record and release these because, you know, this experience is more common than people realize. Yeah. And often the people experiencing it feel isolated and alone and that sometimes they can't reach out to other people. But, you know, maybe if we put out this music, these songs will maybe find their way to others who would benefit from hearing our story and applying it to their story. So, um, and this was last fall, so it wasn't that long ago that we kind of decided this, but at that point I reached out to my songwriting mentors. Um, I belong to a songwriting group called Thinking Outside the Blocks and it's run by Allie Moss and Bess Rogers. And they're such great songwriting coaches, um, mentors, just great all around people. And I feel like this project was really, I don't know, they were so worthy of, you know, taking this project into their hands. So I reached out to them and Allie helped me get my voice in shape for recording. Um, Bess engineered and produced the track and we recorded it over a few days. I did the vocals and basic guitar and then Bess just layered everything else on top of it and made it all sparkly and shiny. Um, And then it was mixed by her husband, Chris Kuffner. And then we released it, um, last year on October 15th to coincide with pregnancy and infant loss remembrance day. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. And it's, it's so well done. And like your voice is just so sweet. And I, I was like very emotional listening to it. Um, so (laughs) yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. And I just want to thank you for sharing something so powerful and personal. And I know that, um, I'm sure this topic is really difficult to share, and um, but I know a lot of people uh, will benefit from hearing that. And um, I'm curious if you know um, about 
perinatal music therapy and have ever thought about maybe sharing this with the music therapy community that does that kind of work. Yeah, I would love for this song to be used with that community. Um, I think because of my experience with miscarriage and having fertility issues, um, perinatal music therapy is definitely a field that I'm interested in pursuing once I'm done with my music therapy program. Um, And yeah, I just, like I said, I think the biggest thing with people dealing with these experiences is just the feeling of isolation and Mm -hmm. uh, not really knowing how to process what's happening and because it really is all out of your control and um there's a lot of just kind of surrendering and letting go that needs to happen in order for you to kind of accept and move on um but it's so easy to i think get stuck in that isolation because nobody talks about it. It's very rare that you, you know, that you hear about this kind of thing. Um, and yeah, so I would love for whoever would like to use this song. Um, if it's able to help somebody, um, I'm all for that. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I don't know. I think it's, it's so neat that we're starting to see more people talking about this because like you said, you know, it's, it's so hard to, I mean, you don't, obviously you don't want to just like blurt it out or anything, but it's, it's like you're holding this in and isolating yourself and you have all these mixed feelings around it and nobody talks about it. Like Mm -hmm. for some reason, it's just such a taboo subject and pretty much everything to do with like the perinatal process has like had this weird shadow over it. And it's beautiful that like maternal mental health and infertility and, you know, loss and all of these topics, you know, um, uh, birthing persons of color and mortality rates with that. And, um, you know, all these things are really starting to come to light. And, and I'm, I'm so happy as somebody who is like just beginning, um, doing, you know, perinatal work, um, one, I'm really happy to talk to you and talk about your experience in this beautiful song and, and um, you know, hopefully have that um, in my back pocket to share with future clients. But um, yeah, just having these conversations and letting other people know, like, you're not alone. Yeah, for sure. And I will say, our, you know, my miscarriage was early and it happened before we were even able to share it with family and friends that we were had been pregnant. And so I remember when it happened, we just felt weird not sharing that it had happened because it was like, nobody knows that I was pregnant, but it also feels weird to not share that we had this loss. And so that's when we, when we finally reached out to, you know, a close circle of family and friends to let them know what had happened because it just felt weird to, to keep it, you know, yeah. just between mm-hmm. us two <laughs> yeah. and then like not honor this life that was, you know, had been growing for a little bit and, you know, just wasn't mm-hmm. able to join us in this world. But, um, yeah, it, uh, there are just a lot of weird, um, and just like abstractions of, cause you know, it was so early that it just kind of was an idea of a baby. And I think that's where the whole, like, hello, I don't even know your name. It was like, yeah. I, yeah. even just like the ultrasounds weren't even big enough to, to see a baby figure. So it was like just this really weird abstraction of, there was a baby in there and now there's not. And, uh, it was, it was really like more of an idea. Um, and it was Mm. just a weird thing to have to process. I bet. Yeah. That kind of, um, 
when I was listening to it, I noticed that the bridge part where you say, um, like, just the blink of an eye, things can change. That part um, is really is really quick and short. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like two lines in comparison to the rest of the song. It also sounds very different than the rest of the song melodically. And it that that makes me think of, yeah, what you just shared of how it was just so quick that you didn't even have time to tell tell people that you were pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny, you know, and these are things I don't even think about. But you're right, in retrospect, um, that bridge is really short. And it's funny because I think some people who aren't listening closely, they – they miss that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they think the song is about a baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, so yeah, it's, um, it's funny how that worked out because that, that is how my experience was. And I think, uncon- you know, unconsciously it made its way into the song in that manner. Yeah. Well, and like just the paradox of, you know, you're talking to someone who you don't know your name. So they're, you know, quote unquote, kind of a stranger. But at the same time, it's like you're writing a letter to someone that you've known a long time. So just having the paradox of like something so personal and deep and um, like this connection. And yet at the same time, not really knowing them, you know, it's it it kind of reflects those emotions that – that you're going through when you're when you're experiencing that of like I I feel this on such a deep level but at the same time I I'm so confused about it you know yeah mm-hmm. y'all I'm loving hearing these interpretations of the song because I've never discussed <laughs> this with anybody <laughs> and it's just really cool to to see what you all are pulling from it because you know it's just and for me it's a song I wrote to get my feelings out but to be able to you know have outsiders reflect back to me what they're seeing in it it's it's really cool Mm -hmm. well thank you for sharing it with us it's it's like I said it's so powerful and beautiful and um it definitely needs to be needs to be shared and heard Mm -hmm. yeah and uh Allison kind of going along with uh what you said writing a letter of sorts Mm -hmm. I as I was listening to it I, it reminded me of a quote that I found a long time ago. Um, so Amy, my graduate project or thesis or whatever for music therapy was actually on songwriting. Oh. So uh, there's one part of um, the project I was doing where I was just looking at trying to find quotes from different songwriters about just their process and what songwriting is like. And as I was doing this research, I found a quote from Bob Dylan. And he says, another way of writing a song is just talking to someone who isn't there. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it just reminded that quote immediately came to mind as soon as I like after a couple of listens to your song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's amazing to be put in the same sentence as Bob Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Uh, you're welcome yeah (laughs) (laughs) I like yeah I like that I like that quote a lot uh one thing I did want to ask so you have uh one other song out I guess yeah in 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I can talk more about the traveling that together. Yes. Stuff. So my husband also wrote songs about the miscarriage and our fertility process. Um, so yes, the song's called Traveling Together. And we released it the same day as Sunshine was released. Um, it too was inspired by the miscarriage. So if you all or any other listeners are interested in checking that one out too, it's on various platforms. Um, and I guess, well, you can find it. So our, our <laughs> also creative name is Amy and Andy. <laughs> but oh, we, um, we found out that there's also a very successful cartoon duo by that name. So in the future, <laughs> you'll be able to find our music under the name Brighter Light Brigade. Um, okay. oh. But yeah, so he wrote this song called Traveling Together. And it's, um, it's basically just about how he and I were two. And then there's this baby on the way. And we're all traveling together, but the baby's not able to join us and how that, you know, affects us as a family mm. and as a couple. Mm. Um, and so, and it's just interesting, you know, to, to get the partner's perspective as well. So I feel like yeah, it's yeah. like bookends to each other. Um, so it's interesting to, to hear. And his, his song yeah. is interesting too, cause it's kind of, it's upbeat and um, I feel like it kind of comes it's informed by this kind of folk, um, I would say even kind of Irish a little bit. It has kind of this like bagpipe sound, a drone mm-hmm. kind of going through the whole song. Um, and so, and that's his kind of ancestral hi- history. It's, he has a lot of Irish and German in his, mm-hmm. in his lineage. And so um, yeah. it's interesting to see kind of how his life experiences and culture are sprinkled in his songwriting as well and how the same content can create something so different but yet also similar yeah 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 I was actually when I was listening to it it was just just the the it's about the same thing but it sounded so different Mm -hmm. and it was also interesting because his song had both of you on it whereas the sunshine was more it was just you right so it was, it was a little bit i mean both songs are intimate but it was yours was just it was in the it was an individual song mm-hmm. um and yeah it, also just the style of music it was almost like the the traveling song was more i would say like civil wars the upbeat civil wars kind of and then and then yours it was like i guess it would be like early i want to say early taylor swift but i i don't know i mean that's what i would compare Mm -hmm. it to yeah um as far as style Mm -hmm. is concerned yeah that's cool i'm gonna i'm gonna go listen to that um i want to i'd like to hear his perspective on it yeah Mm -hmm. it, it is a very like upbeat song it's funny too because um our producer best she has a son who's around my son's age he's i think almost three but as she was you know mixing it and kind of doing her producer stuff to it he really took a liking to the song and she was like you might want to like re-record this as a kid's song with different lyrics because my son is really jamming to this traveling together (laughs) (laughs) um and I, i could see too where you could rewrite it as a family song so right. maybe that'll mm-hmm. be coming out in the future too. <laughs> yeah, that would be beautiful. I'm I'm curious, you know, 
obviously you recorded it like much later and he, he had something as well. So like, what was that process like and how, like, did that really help you kind of process more? Um, you know, what, what was that like doing that together? Yeah. Um, it was interesting because, you know, earlier I talked about how I'm a little bit distanced from it now, but I feel like once we got in the studio and I think I just really started to be in the present it's almost like these songs are like travel machines. And mm-hmm. for me, at least from once we were in the studio, it kind of brought me back to that time. Um, and I just remembered how, like how quick it was and how, you know, it just kind of like bowled us over. Um, but then to also be in that studio, getting ready to record, it also showed me how far we had come and like, you know, now we have an almost three year old. Um, and so that, you know, we did get a happy ending eventually. And so it also made me reflect on our journey up to that point. And so, yeah, it was just an interesting juxtaposition of, ah, it's bringing me back to that point. But then it's also showing me how we've grown and changed and how we've overcome and, persevered and it just, yeah, it was, it was definitely very empowering to be in there and being like, this is our story and we're doing this Mm -hmm. together. And, um, and I think on that song too, the harmony, it's almost Mm -hmm. like we're just kind of hand in hand, arm in arm in it together. That was the experience that I got from doing that. Um, but I will say in the studio, just because of, you know, doing studio work, we did want to try to record it live singing harmonies together, but that can be really tricky in the studio Mm -hmm. and for mixing. So we did have to record it separately eventually. Um, Although it would have been our preference to do it live just because I feel like maybe we should have done a live take just to do one. But, um, but uh, that's something where I, yeah, I just love singing harmony with people. So to be able to do that (laughs) with my husband, um, it's just, I don't know. You just feel really in sync when you're, when you're doing that together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Making music together with your partner is, I feel like that just adds a whole another level of connection. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Completely agree. And speaking of that, we do, um, you know, the next chapter of after the miscarriage was we just had a, a heck of a time with infertility. And so, there are a whole batch of other songs related to that experience that my husband would love to record and release in the future. Um, we actually had been on track to try to release them by this April last month. Um, but then we had, I had some family illness and coronavirus happened. And so we're hoping to release them hopefully in April of 2021. So, um, so stay tuned. There might be a whole album of songs related to this topic um, just cause wow. it was, man, infertility is a roller coaster and, yeah. um, and so many lessons learned from that experience, especially in terms of just kind of, like I said earlier, just letting go of your expectations and of how you think things are supposed to happen and just kind of surrendering and allowing the universe to show you how it's supposed to unfold. And you just kind of witnessing your story and um, that process was such a teacher for me. And I realized the things mm-hmm. I learned from that experience are so valuable in dealing with other life experiences 
that I'll encounter. For example, I just lost my mom and I see how the lessons I learned from the roller coaster of infertility apply to dealing with the loss of my mom. And I'm sure these things will help me out in the future with other things that life will throw my way. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's, we, our intent is for, you know, the same as the intent was to release these two songs. It's just, this is something that's not really widely discussed. It's not like, you know, <laughs> Hey, how's the baby making going? You, know, you right. don't talk about it a lot. <laughs> right. Um, and if it isn't going well, it's not something that people really offer or because people just, a lot of people have, I don't know, a lot of times the well meaning, but it's not helpful advice. And so, um, yeah. I think just, again, putting these songs out there to help somebody or a couple who are dealing with something mm-hmm. similar to feel less alone and feel like yeah. there is somebody out there who knows what they're going through and hopefully our music can help them. Mm. Such resilience. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Wow. Dang. I definitely, um, I just, like I said, I appreciate the the vulnerability and the strength and the courage that you have, like talking about this in a public space and sharing it with everyone. Um, it's, it's very beautiful. And, um, I, I look forward to, to meeting with you and talking music therapy and maybe playing songs together. And, um, I just really appreciate you coming on here. Well, thank you for having me. This has been a blast. And like I said, if if these songs can help somebody, then awesome. Hmm. Well, Amy, we are going to have to, unfortunately, um, wrap up this conversation. Um, Again, we are super grateful for you coming on here and talking to us and for your vulnerability with us and with everyone who listens. Uh, If people want to hear more from you and Andy or from Will and Miss Anne or any other projects you're working on, where can they find you? Yeah. So um, Sunshine and Traveling Together are under Amy and Andy for the time being. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And they're on, I think, most social platforms. You can find us on Spotify. We're on Bandcamp. I think we're on iTunes as well. Definitely YouTube. Um, so if you if you search Sunshine Traveling Together, Amy and Andy, something should pop up. Um, mm-hmm. Little Miss Anne, the album I did with her is called Keep On, and it's listed under Little Miss Anne and Amy D. And um, yeah, that album, I'm just so proud of it. It's Children's music is not something I ever would have thought I would have done. And I'm so <laughs> grateful that, like I said, that Little Miss Anne approached me to do this project with her because... Yeah, I'm just so proud of these songs and that album, and it was a blast to make. Its reach has been far and wide, um, and it's just been an honor to be a part of families' lives as they raise their young children. So, yeah, feel free to check that out as well. It's called Keep On by Little Miss Anne and Amy D. Mm -hmm. Cool. Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to link those in the show notes for everyone to take a look at. Well, guys, thanks for listening. We are going to wrap up this episode. Just as a reminder, if you would like to 
support us, you can do so at patreon.com slash clinicalpopulations. You can also check out our gear at clinicalpopulations.threadless.com. Also, if you'd like to join the conversation about all the episodes we've been releasing or um, just want to get to know us better, you can do so by joining our new Facebook discussion group, which is Clinical Populations discussion group <laughs> and <laughs> so original <laughs> so original um you could find that also linked in our show notes and other than that we hope that all of you are staying safe and healthy and we're going to listen to sunshine by amy de jesus bye bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know your name Waited for this day I've waited for so long This joy Joy I've never known And so I'll wait a few months more To hold you in my arms And I know that life's not always full of sunshine in this winter's gray sky That is what you are And so I started writing you a note Of all the things we felt and spoke of When we found out you were coming Made plans Started changing things around Ain't got much, but we would make it work somehow And I know that life's not always full of sunshine But in this winter's gray sky That is what you are And I know that life's not always full of sunshine Winter's gray sky That is what you are In the blink of an eye How things can change I wish you could have stayed I'll be thinking of you Till my last day And I know that life's not always full of sunshine But in this winter's gray sky that is what you are And I know that life's not always full of sunshine But in this winter's gray sky I love you from a